I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning, wherever you're tuning in from along the Wasatch Front or beyond via the KSL KSL Sports app, is what I should say. I almost said the KSL app, but that's a completely separate deal. But my name's Jay Catch. Uh, running things solo today, Michelle Bodkin is down in Las Vegas. She actually joined us a little bit later on today's show. She was down there for Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, a lot of stuff coming out of it. Uh, whether you consider it newsworthy or not, we'll talk about that throughout today's show. Got Sarah Hosian uh, producing behind the glass once again for us this week. Sarah, what's up? Nothing much. Just glad media days are over. That's, okay, and that's a very, very good point you make. For us here along the Wasatch Front now, there still is um, going to be uh, media day for the for the Big Ten, etc. That doesn't affect us nearly directly as much because we got through Big 12 media days, we got through Mountain West media days, and then yesterday, Pac-12 media day, which affect the top three teams in this state, speaking of BYU, Utah, and Utah State. So uh, we made it through, you're right, and it is nice to think that's in the rearview mirror, and now it's kind of all focused on about a week from now, roughly, give or take, uh, all these programs start fall camp, and then we are a month away from the season, really, and then off we go. And this will be is this going to be your second season working with the third season with us? Second season. Okay. Yeah, I joined the team last September. Oh, so okay. kind of mid-season of football. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, so it, it's a crazy time, but fun all the same. And we're going to break a lot of that down on today's show. Consider this to be more of a Pac-12 Media, media Day recap. I know uh, Michelle with me on the road last week, a Big 12 Media Day she did a lot of stuff with the Big 12 uh, Media Day. So we'll you hear some comments from George Klyovkov, Pac-12 commissioner. We're also going to get to Kyle Whittingham. Uh, Caleb Williams from USC. I'm with our guys down there at Pac-12 Media Day yesterday. If you did not hear that interview, we're going to replay it because he was um, he was on fire. Let's put it that way. It was not necessarily as engaging. or no, He was engaging. He just was a little salty about how uh, some of the questioning it felt like uh, went uh, in that. But we'll talk about that. Um, we'll also get to technical fouls, get to some five minutes of because we cover some of the other topics in the sports world outside of the Big 12. Uh, it's not the Big 12, the Pac-12, excuse me. Uh, we'll break all that down, and, I'll, and we'll have Michelle, as I mentioned, join us at 11 o'clock. Uh, she is still on the road, obviously, uh, having been down there in Las Vegas yesterday. But as we are wont to do, uh, Sarah, let's get things started this week. What's been the highlight of your week? Oh, goodness. I don't think it's happened yet. Okay. I'm getting my engagement pictures taken tonight. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. that's probably going to be the highlight. Okay. 
let's stop for a second here. You, I wanna... you sound a little Kay. like you have a story. I don't like pictures by and large. My wife forces me into a lot of the photos that I am I am subject to taking. Now, engagement photos are like I don't know. They're they are very important. So my question for you, your fiance, I have not had the privilege of meeting him. I've heard anything great things about him. But how is he with taking photos? He's fought. He doesn't love them either. Okay. I feel like it's definitely that might be a man thing a little bit, but um he's excited just cuz it's just one more step closer to like the big day. Uh-huh. He got his hair cut for it. He got his eyebrows oh. done. So like and we got him a new shirt because okay. he's a very simple man. He wears the same the same five shirts and four pairs of pants <laughs> every day. So we got yeah. him a new shirt for it All and right. things like that. So he's ready, but I was like you need to smile with teeth because <laughs> he does do the whole, yeah, he smiles, kind but with no teeth. Stone face. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm like, at least for one picture, I need you to smile with teeth. So. Now, okay. So my wife, this is, we got married. We're now, we're in year nine of being married, which is crazy to think. But I remember when we were going to do engagement photos, she's like, okay, so how much involvement do you want to have? And I, Sarah, I, I kid you not. Here's my response. I need to know where to be, what to wear. And when to be there. And she's like, that's it? I'm like, yep, that's it. And she, she, to her credit, she took the rest of it and kind of ran with it. She, I had to buy a new, trust me, I had to buy a whole new wardrobe, it felt like, for those photos. But nonetheless, we got through it. The pictures are great. They're still on my wall at my house. They're like, I see them all the time. Do I sit there and be like, that was a lovely day? No, I, I don't do that. My wife might. You may do the same thing, but it's just, it's something that you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited for them just because I'm excited to have, like, we've never had, like, formal pictures taken oh, of okay. us. got it. Yeah. And so I'm That's excited exciting. just to have yeah. some, like, professional pictures of us uh-huh. together because it's mainly selfies or some random person <laughs> taking a picture of us. Okay, now, now that part is pretty cool then in that case. Now, can you give us a little hint of where, are you going salt flats? Are we going up in the mountains? What are we doing? We're kind of, we're going up um, in Provo Canyon. I had no idea where to go. Okay. So when I was setting up a photographer, I was asking them, like, can mm-hmm. you give us some suggestions okay. and places right now that look really good and aren't too high up in the mountains where there's still <laughs> snow in some sure. places yeah. where I don't want snow. <laughs> so yeah, we're going up into Provo Canyon a little ways um, uh-huh. and there's a big open field and so that's kind of where we're going to be taking them. So, cool. All right. Yeah. Well. He was very much like, we just need a few pictures, right? And I'm like, okay, but females, <laughs> females. A few pictures. You're, I, I like your fiance more and more the more I hear about this dude. I like this. This is awesome. I'm like, no, I need to. It takes like 100 pictures for me to find a few that I like. <laughs> okay. This is, that is the dynamic in and of itself because I'm of the same opinion as your fiance. We just need like five or six, right? They're like, no. You're going to be smiling for hours here, bud. Like, saddle up. Let's go. And Hey, it'll be great. I'm sure it'll turn out great. I can't wait to see them someday down the road, but I still- Oh, yes. Vi- I will be posting I, them. Just wait. Come on. That's what Instagram exists for. Let's be real. Like, but that's the thing about this. It's a fun time, so congratulations. I, that's a big, big deal. But I vividly remember, I'm like, ugh. Do I really got to do this? 
nonetheless. Yeah. Fun times. All right. Highlight of my week real quick before we actually get into the meat and potatoes portion of today's show. Uh, I'd probably say it was honestly, I, I worked a lot this week. I filled in two days on Unrivaled. Uh, I did a lot of stuff with Pac-12 Media Day yesterday. But the one thing about the highlight of that, I know it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. We're lucky to do what we do here in sports radio. Like, we we're paid to talk about what's happening in the sports universe. So it's just been a fun week on that front. Now, it's not necessarily the most newsy time of the year. There's not as many sports going on, but at the same time, ton of fun. I go to sit in with Scott Mitchell, had a great time with him, obviously filling in for the two days on Unrivaled, and it's good to be back in the saddle. So I know it sounds weird, but that really was the highlight of the week because I didn't do much else besides that. <laughs> yeah, I worked a lot yesterday, so I understand. Well, I, I know you had to split double duty. I don't know how many people know this, but you also work for the Pac-12 alongside doing stuff here. So obviously with Media Day, I'm sure you were just up to yeah. your eyeballs. And- yeah, I got here at 9 a.m. Uh-huh. and came back and left here at like 10.30. So. Jeez. Crazy. It was a long day, but it's okay. It's over now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's actually get into it. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. And my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> All right. Uh, like I mentioned, it was Pac-12 Media Day yesterday down there in Las Vegas at Resorts World. Uh, it's a new resort. And by the pictures I saw of it, it looked like a fantastic venue to be in. Uh, the funny thing about this is I, I was reading about this. And I don't know if you saw this, Sarah. I guess the main stage, like the, the podium stuff was happening. Apparently, it's a nightclub. So that's that. So that's what the setup was. It was a kind of a lounge area. And apparently, last night after the Pac-12 wrapped up, they were like just revamping, and they were gonna have a rap concert there last night. So it's, that's the most Vegas thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Trust me, that I was like, huh, okay, yeah, it lines up with a lot of what's going on. But nonetheless, uh, fun times, and it's always fun with Media Day because, uh, as I like to describe them, it's it's hope springs eternal at Media Day. There's very few people who are gonna be like, you know what, we're gonna suck this year. That's just not how they're gonna operate when it comes to talking with the media. Now, obviously, the the Pac-12 has been under the gun with regards to some of the conversations about this conference. Is it going to be able to survive after uh, USC and UCLA leave? Are they going to have defections? Are they going to have Colorado and Arizona? It seems like the most likely candidates to make a jump to the Big 12. All that was on the table yesterday when they entered uh, the, the media portion of this. But George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, spoke to the media on the record for the first time in literally months, folks. We have not heard from him on the record. There's been a lot of speculation, a lot of reports, hashtag sources, say all, the, all that stuff's been out there. We have not heard from the Pac-12 commissioner, but... In his opening comments, there was a Q&A portion, and there, I'm going to play two parts of this. These were separated by, by, I think, two or three questions. So these are right towards the tail end of his media portion. Uh, he was asked, essentially, and we'll, we'll play it here. I think it was Richard Johnson, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he obviously is one of the media personalities that was down there. Uh, he asked a question about just kind of how things are going with the Pac-12. So let's play that right now. Richard Johnson, Sports Illustrated. In the back left, over here, George. Uh, is it at all frustrating for you personally or professionally that despite what you're trying to push, the football, the quarterbacks, that you're still dealing with questions about media rights timeline and stuff like that in the midst of all that? 
I, I don't consider it frustrating. Uh, it's a reinforcement for me of um, what, what dedicated and passionate fans we have and how much people care about college athletics. And I, I get it. And at the same time, I don't want uh, the opportunity to be missed today to talk about football. It, it's, we're not announcing a media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on football. George, just to follow on what you just said, I think a, a response ago, because it caught a lot of people's attention very quickly. You just said you're not announcing a deal today on purpose because you want the attention to be on football. Yep. To be clear, that would imply that the deal is done and codified and just you're waiting until after today. I think you're reading too much into that. So then what is the purpose behind not announcing something, which is what you just said? We want to have the focus on football today. We have an incredibly good football story to tell, and we want that to be the focus today. There you go. So Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated with the question first, and he said, hey, we're not announcing – George Klavkov said this on the record, folks. We're not announcing our media rights deal because we want the focus to be on football today. Then James Crepia, the second voice you heard asking a question, works, works for the Oregonian, a guy we've actually had on this station a fair amount of times, a, a really, really good writer and obviously a great commentator. Uh, he, t- he said, okay, what you just said is you guys have a media rights deal done and you're not announcing it because of today? And he's like, well, you're reading too much into that. What are we reading too much into, George? Either you have the deal done or you don't. And that here's the thing. Coming into this, and Sarah, feel free to hop in at any point if you have anything you want to share on this. The biggest conversation going into this was that the Pac-12 does not have their media rights deal. That was the conversation going into media day. Now, I talked with some people about this going in, and we'll get Michelle's take on this here in just a little bit. She'll be joining us here at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Is that the, the, We knew that the headlines were going to be kind of dominated by the media rights side of things. But the problem is when George gets up there, George Klyovkov, and makes the comment that he did, we're not announcing our media rights deal because we want the focus to be on football today. George, guess what? In that entire Q&A session, and I listened, listened to the entire thing at least twice. I went through the entire thing. There was not a single question asked of the commissioner regarding football about Caleb Williams and his defending his Heisman Trophy. Can uh, Anything to do with actual on-the-field football-related matters. Not a single question was asked to the commissioner in that Q&A portion about this. And for him to say, well, you're reading too much into that. George, James Crepia, like everybody else, is saying, so you're not announcing something because you have it done? Because we've all been waiting for a year now. It's been over a year since we have heard the Pac-12 had opened up their media rights opportunities. They entered an exclusive negotiating window with ESPN and Fox at the time. Then after that window uh, concluded, they took it to the open market. Uh, and then later on, George Klyovkov later also said that they, the, more, the longer they wait, the more options are on the table. And our patience is going to be rewarded is one of the quotes that he used in that Q&A portion. And by the way, if you missed any of these comments, along with feels like at this point hundreds, it's not hundreds, but it's in the tens of the media interviews we did yesterday. Um, we talked, uh, we, you can go to our uh, website, kslsports.com. You can find it all. It's wherever you get your podcasts as well. Just search out KSL Sports and Pac-12. And the, the thing about this is he, the, the messaging coming from this conference is utterly confusing. They say one thing. Well, you're reading too much into that. George, you said it. So what? Where are we supposed to go with that? You were supposed to be, uh, yeah, all good, all good, dude. Like, no, you're, you're going to ask about that. And Sarah, you said you had another clip of this from George here, right? The, 
Yeah, so it's just from the earlier part before okay. the Q&A started, just his comments regarding the media rights oh, deal yes. and expansion. Okay. Play this real quick. Yeah, this is a good one. Let me provide you with an update on our media rights negotiation and our approach to considering expansion. I know there's been speculation about the timing of our media deals, but in the end, we're on track to announce our deals at about the same time as everyone would have anticipated and predicted before the news of conference realignment. The PAC-12 Board of Directors has met regularly throughout the process and has been united in their commitment to one another and to the PAC-12. And this commitment and patience will be rewarded with an announcement in the near future. Getting the right deal has always been important, more important to, the, to our board and to the conference than getting the expeditious one. Regarding potential expansion, while we have already done the due diligence on expanding, expansion candidates many months ago and significantly narrowed our focus to a handful of schools, our sequence remains unchanged. First, we will conclude our media rights deals. Then our schools will sign our grant of rights, which has already been negotiated. And only then will we decide on potential expansion. All right. So he says that we are going to make an announcement when most people might have expected it to. Okay, George, the problem is you have multiple of your university chancellors and presidents over the past year who have said six weeks, two to three weeks. Coming soon. You guys said in February yourselves in an official statement from the PAC-12, we are going to consummate our media rights deal in the near future. Okay. You also have ADs who have come out and said, oh, we're, we're going to get this done quick. The messaging. Get on the same page, y'all. <laughs> like, I just can't. I, I, and I don't want to bag too hard on the Pac-12 and George Klyovkov, but this is kind of this really is more of the same for the messaging coming out of Pac-12 Media Day and all the stuff going on with uh, the media rights negotiations and everything. It's just there, there, there is a message, I guess, issue in terms of understanding how like they they expect people to be like, okay, yeah, we're good, we're just going to kind of move along. No, that's not how people operate. In this universe, they just want to know when things are going to happen. And you continue to say it's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's been over a year. So you can say it's coming soon, but it wears thin on people when the same message continues to be the the message that goes out. So I I don't know what ultimately the Pac-12 is going to do. I assume they're going to put a media rights deal together. Now, we did hear uh, some rumors out there. I thought it was in The Athletic. I thought from uh, Stuart Mandel saying that he thinks that that we at least he heard he reported that at least two members of the current Pac-12 are adamantly opposed to conference expansion, and that's to San Diego State's denigration. That's SMU. Sorry, guys. It's not going to happen. But – the, the the problem the Pac-12 face right now is they're not on the same page in any way, shape, or form. You have Kirk Schultz at Washington State going out and saying one thing when he was talking with their uh, their board of regents saying, we're going to get this done here in the next few weeks. That's been over a month ago since he made those comments. Then you have Robert Robbins, the president of Arizona, who's been on the record multiple times saying, it's coming soon, it's coming soon, but we are going to look at our options. Then you hear the rumors about Colorado and Phil DiStefano, their president, earlier this week said that on Thursday they were going to actually have 
have a meeting with uh, the Pac-12, and they were going to see the quote-unquote numbers of a media rights deal. They were actually going to see the, the the details as recently as, as would have been Thursday from George Klyovkov as well as the Pac-12 leadership. Well, it comes out on Friday that those numbers were never seen. They were never discussed in said meeting. This is, this is the problem the Pac-12 faces right now, is they have a messaging issue. They are not on the same page. They don't act as a united front. They, they just don't operate in concert with one another, and that's, that's going to hurt their image. And trust me, their image has taken a hit over the last year. Any of you out there who are listening to the show know that they have taken a hit. And it, that, that's the tough part right now. With regards to how the Pac-12 is operating, is that George Klyovkov can go out and say one thing, and then it feels like a week later somebody else can go out and say something else that almost contradicts what he is going to say. He had contradicted himself yesterday, telling James Crepia, "Well, you're reading too much into that." Well, what is it, George? Either you have the media rights deal done, and as James said, codified, and it's ready to roll, and you, you're purposely sitting on it to make a bigger splash when you decide to announce it at some point, or you were just talking out of both sides of your mouth, just making a, a comment that is going to obviously elicit reaction, and you actually don't have the deal done, and you were just, you were just saying something to say something. It's a, it's a tough, tough deal if you're the Pac-12, and I don't envy them. I, I honestly don't feel like they're doing themselves any favors at the same time, but the hope is at some point, yes, they will get a media rights deal done, then they will get their grant of rights locked in, as you heard him talk about, and then we will explore expansion. Great. Get it done. It's been over a year. Let's move on and find something else to talk about, but it feels like this is going to drag on for at least a while longer, if not throughout at least this entire season. And guess what? If you're a Pac-12 administrator, coach, AD, etc., get ready for more questions of this ilk until that gets done. All right, we will come back on the other side. I want to get to some of the comments uh, from Media Day from Utah, as well as Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, We'll hear from Kyle Whittingham, who joined our crew down there, Jake Scott, Patrick Kinahan, Scott Mitchell, Hans Olsen holding it down for an entire day. A lot of interviews, a lot of audio. As I said, you can go to kslsports.com to get all those. Search out the Pac-12 podcast app and our podcast um, tab over there. Or on your podcast provider of choice, just search out KSL Sports Pac-12 and it should pull up that feed. And you'll have literally every interview that we conducted as well as a lot of podium audio as well will be available for you guys as well. So more in a moment. Uh, we'll talk more about Pac-12 Media Day, top of the 11 o'clock hour. Michelle Bodkin, who was in Las Vegas, uh, she will weigh in with her thoughts and her takeaways as she was talking with people down there all day long yesterday as well. Technical fouls still on the way. Five minutes of plenty to go. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic Saturday. I've got the British Open up here, the Open Championship officially. Uh, Brian Harmon is still leading the tournament. He is at nine under par. John Rahm, uh, Jason Day, and Tommy Fleetwood, all three shots back, tied for second at six under. We'll keep you updated on that as it continues. But uh, kind of a crazy, crazy thing out there, the the British Open. like the Brian Harmon goes out and just uh, takes this gigantic lead yesterday and we'll see if they can get reeled back in but uh we we've been talking about this all week long getting ready for this the finals major of the year but crazy stuff Fleetwood hitting a shot right now but we'll continue to update you on that but wanted to get back to some of the conversation going on uh with regards uh, to the to the Pac-12 and their media day yesterday now uh obviously we were down there as a station as I mentioned Jake Scott Patrick Kinahan Hans Olsen and Scott Mitchell are our, our team that was down there I know that Michelle Bodkin was there Chandler who worked on our digital team was there uh Sam Farnsworth. We had a whole crew of people from KSL Sports and the overall umbrella here with KSL Sports down there. But Kyle Whittingham, obviously Utah head football coach, uh, sat down with our crew. And I want you to let you guys hear some of his comments. He talks a lot about the upcoming season. Uh, Utah's picked to finish third in the media poll. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know Kyle isn't directed uh, necessarily. Uh, what am I trying to say? He doesn't necessarily want to say it outright. I think he absolutely loves the fact that Utah was picked. There was the two-time defending champions. He's like, okay, we're the underdog again. That's when Kyle thrives in this role. So here you go. Here's his comments uh, with our crew right here yesterday on Pac-12 Media Day. Joining us now, the head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Whittingham. Big shot. (laughs) Billy Joel, little Billy Joel reference. Oh, man, way to start the the interview with singing, PK. Way to go. Way to start it off right. How long you had that planned? It just came to me. Just went off the road. You're quick. Brutal. Hey, back-to-back champion, University of Utah. That's got to feel pretty good. But yet, pick third. Doesn't matter. Doesn't know we could care less. That's uh, or couldn't care less. My wife always corrects me on that. We couldn't couldn't care less. Uh, In fact, we'll get a little bit of fuel out of that. I'm sure you will. Provide a little bit of incentive, and and uh, between that and our championship quarterback, not even become an honorable mention. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter, but he knows it. Yeah, I know. Knife in the back. It's uh, we'll use it all to our advantage. Disrespect. So. I will say, though, there was some respect given for the all-Pac-12 preseason team. There was, six, no doubt. Six youths That's, put on that. That's, that is, uh, I guess if you do the math, uh, you should have one-twelfth of the 22, and we got uh, over a quarter of the 22 <laughs> first-teamers. So, and, and, so that's good. And I know you can care about Cam. I just care about the offensive line, and you got two of them. That's yeah, all that matters. We got an offense. Jim Harding has done a phenomenal job putting that line together. And I can say, without a doubt, it's the deepest and most talented offensive line group that we've had since I've been here, and that's been a while. You know, would, the last few years, training camp for University of Utah is what I call boring because, I mean, you have competition, <laughs> right. but so much of it, it just seems like you're always returning a ton of players. I don't know how you do it. Maybe it's the COVID year or something. I'm, I'm not sure. But it just seems like the last few years, 
uh, you've gone in like three of the last four years and throw the COVID out because I totally agree with you. It doesn't count. Doesn't count. Nobody counts COVID. I, I agree. 100%. Tell me anybody that counts no, COVID. I don't agree with Nobody. it. I agree with you 100%. Uh, but it just seems like you got so many of the positions set, and it's about getting young guys ready so when their time comes. Yep. And it's really remarkable, the consistency that way. Well, two things. Number one, we've stacked some really good recruiting classes together, you know, three or four in a row. And uh, that's starting to manifest. And then player development. You know, that's what we are. We're a player development program. And, and uh, developing those guys as they come up through the system is, is our forte. And our assistant coaches do a phenomenal job with that. And that's our recipe right there. I mean, that's it's not hard to figure out. Uh, you know, the thing that you throw into that recipe is a couple of transfers. And you did it with one of the Reed boys that was spectacular out of Stanford. I thought had yeah. a lot of success. And now you do it with a Damuni. Right. And We're excited about him. It, yeah. It seems like you guys have a, a process for picking a couple of pieces out of the portal that, that play a big role. Is Damuni yep. going to be one of those? We, we firmly believe that. He's in workouts with us this summer. Looks great. Uh, he's a proven commodity. Just turned on his film at, at Stanford. He, was, he did great things there. And uh, he will be a, a big uh, asset for us. And uh, we feel like the portal overall, since the advent of the portal, has been uh, very good to us. We feel like we've netted far more gain than we have lost. Where do you play the money? Do you play him at the safety, or do you put him at the outside backer? Like, how do you? He's use... an inside backer. Okay, he's an inside backer. He plays he, inside. He'll play inside with Kareni and and uh, Lander and those guys in there. And uh, Man, that's. A... That's a tough that crew, right? It there. is. They're they're uh, you know Lander, he's two hundred forty five pounds now. I mean, he looks like a uh, some sort of Greek god. I mean, he <laughs> could be on a you know on some statue. He's he's a pretty incredible specimen. Yeah, uh, you talk about him. Uh, my wife taught him in the sixth grade. Oh, PE. really? Yeah, P- at at oh, PE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she said that every time she'd introduce a unit, uh, she would have him. Be the demo, demo yeah, guy? Right, yeah. because he was so coordinated. Right. She told me in the sixth grade, this kid's going to be yeah. all that. Yeah. Uh, and you look at him now, uh, you've had, when you first got into the conference, uh, you had one or two, I think uh, Norris was somebody, uh, but it seemed like linebacker, you needed to get improvement. And you've got an improvement now to where your linebackers, if they're starting multiple years, they're basically an NFL linebacker. What difference does that make defensively to be able to have that caliber of linebacker in this conference? Well, it's huge and, and obviously, uh, you know, I agree with you 100% that we've been able to <clears throat> continue to upgrade the roster year after year ever since we really got in the Pac-12 but a lot of the success of our linebackers is due to the front. I mean, our front is I believe the best front in the conference and uh, this year will be no difference. Junior Tafuna, I think, is the best interior lineman in the league and and so uh, you know that really as a former linebacker when you get those guys up front keeping those guys off you and keeping keeping your you know keeping yourself clean so you can scrape and flow that makes a huge difference I was talking about Aliki Samote and Junior if you take those three could you find a better collective three interior in the country? I wouldn't trade them. Yeah, I, I haven't obviously looked at every single school's personnel, but yeah. uh, from what I know, uh, we love those guys. And then you add David Fotu to that mix. And, Seems and, like an uh, unfair rotation. Yeah, well, that's... we got, we got uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches. Is that? Yeah. Uh, I guess you could say that up front. That That's always where it starts uh, on both sides. The line of scrimmage is up front. And, well, uh, and I've put a lot of emphasis on Connor O'Toole because yeah. I, you, you go back to when you guys were leading the Nation and Sachs with Nate Orchard and Hunter Dimmick, you had that interior push. Right. So I put a lot of emphasis on Connor because if those guys are doing what I think they're going to do, Connor's going to reap the benefits. Right. That works 
hand in hand, and not only Connor but Jonah Ellis and Van Fillinger. People forget about Van Fillinger. He was he's tremendous. I mean, he <clears throat> that Oregon game, the championship game uh, a couple years back, he was a dominator. If you've watched that tape, and and then you uh, add Logan Fano, who's really I mean he's special. Logan Fano is going to be a, a special player. So we're we've got uh, you know a, a bunch of talented guys on on the line of scrimmage, and again that makes everything else seem to fall into place. Coach, as you know, PK is a hot take machine. I mean, he just rolls them out <laughs> one after another. And he had one this morning that this is the uh, toughest schedule Utah's ever played. Would you Could agree be, you with know, that hot take? I think without a doubt it's the toughest in the Pac-12 this year. I don't think there's any any argument there. Uh, toughest of all time. You know, I'd have to go back and look. But, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, i say there's a good chance that, that PK's right for once. <laughs> <laughs> for a change. Yeah. Good shot. Would be a I got to give it to you. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> well done, Jake. You nailed it. Yeah, well done. That, that uh, one did land for me. Uh, you you're that welcome. Yeah. Jake had a joke yesterday that didn't land with Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at this, all. This one landed. Uh, did Did you sit in your office and and sweat over this Pac-12 media deal? Does this zero did, zero okay. sweating? Yeah, yeah, this is uh, it's part of the deal. What it does is, as we say every year, it signifies that the season's right around the corner. Uh, gives our players a chance to get to bring two players and Cam and Cole Bishop are the guys we brought this year and let them have a great experience and so no this is just business as usual uh, the TV contract too TV contract I think we're heading in the right I know we're heading in the right direction uh, should be solidified uh, sooner rather than later I would think again I don't have any inside information or I'm not privy to anything that that is special but but I know the vibe that we're getting uh, from the powers that be is is uh, is good right now. He sweats over having to punch out from the trees. <laughs> and actually he's pretty good at it because he's in there a lot. lot. Yeah, you're right. Or those fairway bunkers yeah. that it takes five to get out when yeah. somebody's telling him, hey, would you just pitch out and take your losses? No. Thick-headed dude over yeah. here. Man, my God. Course management is not my strength. It's <laughs> not my strength. I, I can recall being down in uh, or Los Angeles at the hotel downstairs talking to Andy Ludwig and and he got done, and I'm off to the side, and he's just raving about what you guys, who you guys call J.J. Jackson as a running back. He thinks the guy's an NFL back, and I'm thinking that he might be the surprise player offensively in the conference this year because not a lot of people know about him. But if Ludwig, who isn't known for being outrageous with his statements, if he's pumping him up, I'm thinking you guys got something there. Yeah, Andy, Andy is very measured in his comments and, right. and uh, really uh, doesn't go over, over the top much uh, if ever but right. uh, JJ last year it was a uh, you know that may have been certainly one of the most single important things that transpired was his move to running back and how he embraced that and how he excelled that I mean it's it's one thing to change positions but if you change with the right attitude and and you really embrace it uh, you know you, good things usually happen and that was uh, really saved our running game that second half of the season good luck getting reps to everybody that deserves it I know that room that room, is, that room has uh, got some some guys in it. we added some really good players in this recruiting class it's it's going to be very competitive well coach thank you for a few minutes oh thank You're you guys the best. okay yeah, appreciate so nice you to sit down with us all right there you go kyle whittingham and uh you heard him talk about it. he's like i know that we're getting close to it and kyle he has been very reticent to really comment on it but it was good to hear him talk about that you also heard him talk a lot of, he, he's you can tell he's confident in the in the talent of this team and I, i'm telling you he relishes being the quote-unquote underdog. I know being picked third out of a 12-team conference means you're a relative favorite, but 
you're the two-time defending champions, and when USC and Washington are picked above you, you can guarantee Kyle's over there pointing on the the whiteboard saying, they have no respect for you guys. So uh, we'll see how they do uh, taking on that role this upcoming season. Now, uh, his quarterback also was down there at Pac-12 Media Day, Cam Rising, a lot of questions about his knee. Uh, Is he going to be available against Florida? Uh, Will he be able to play right away once the season begins after tearing that ACL in the Rose Bowl game? Well, here's some of the comments from Cam Rising. Joining us now, quarterback for the University of Utah, Cameron Rising. Good morning. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Oh, we're we're doing great. Uh, what second media day, right? Yep. You like you like this stuff? You like doing the car wash? Old hat. It's uh, it, it is what it is. You've done I, a few I, I don't, interviews I don't mind by it. now. Yeah, it's yeah. um, it's a good time. You know, just just try to have fun with it. It was yeah. hard. It was hard sitting over here watching Cole Bishop just whip your trash over there. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you must be mistaken. I, I mean, I, I, I the, saw one between the legs. <laughs> oh. You guys got to see that ball was going back here because I was hitting it past him every time. He, he that, that, I was letting him warm up. I, I saw he, was, you. he didn't want to start sweating. That's the problem. I you saw know. you use the ceiling. You, I you tried hit, to. Yeah, I, you I were hitting to, it off the ceiling. I was trying to go over him. You know, he was he was sitting up pressing the kitchen. So you know, I had to I had to try to go over, but it didn't work out. It's well, funny you know? because people were looking. Oh, Cam Rising. Oh, how can he move? How's that leg? How's that knee? Yeah. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. And that's what everyone's talking about. Coach Witt, Coach Witt was like, "Hey, calm it down." Here. You know? Did he come over? <laughs> <laughs> take it easy. No, no sharp cuts now. <laughs> How's that thing feeling? It must be feeling pretty good. Feels great. Yeah, I can't complain. It's everything, everything is right where it needs to be right now. Uh, talk about starting off with Florida. We were, we were uh, talking about this, and hopefully everything through camp is is right, ready to go. But uh, do you want another crack at those guys, given yeah. how last year's game went? Itching at it, just just chomping at the bit to get back out there, and and really excited for the opportunity to play them again for sure. I can recall being with you down in uh, the hotel room at Los Angeles, and I asked you, and we had a little running joke, are you coming back? Oh, I don't know. And then, uh, you probably remember that <laughs> yeah. when they had that little booth there. When it was, I, I was obvious to me that you were coming back at that point. Gotcha. Uh, so people think that you came back post-injury when you actually, I believe, had made the decision before. Yeah, it was like the, a week or two before. R- right, yep. and by telling me, uh, I don't know, you were basically telling me yes. Yeah, to and a certain so, degree. Right, I yep. mean, yeah, right. And so just speak to that people think it was the, the injury, but really it wasn't why you sort of changed your mind because you were in the Rice-Eccles new media room and said that you thought that that was your last game or last season, whatever it was. Yeah, um, it was kind of just up in the air for a little while and kind of going back and forth with, with the team and everything and just really trying to see what, what was the best steps for me to take. And, and yeah, just, just kind of came to that conclusion a, a few weeks before the game and really kind of was, was settled with it and then got hurt. It just kind of happened like that. It was unfortunate that that, that came up, but that's just that's kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. So while you were playing over there, uh, I was talking a little bit about who you are as a competitor, at least what you show on the field as a competitor, and I started thinking, this guy gets a shot at Florida. He gets a shot at redemption against Florida. How much do you think about that game? How much do you think about the game that was and the game that's coming forward? Does that play a lot in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I I don't like to lose a game, and and it's always going to kind of haunt you a little bit and just kind of be in the back of your mind and just really makes waking up early and, and going to your workout just that much easier and just kind of kind of fuels you and just as as that fuel to the fire so really just just excited to to have that opportunity and just re- ready for it talk about the weapons you're going to have uh, throwing the football and running but uh, for that matter take it how you want to go but uh, the guys that you're going to utilize this year 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the wide receiver room has taken a, a step in the right direction, and I think everybody in that room is competing at a high level. So I think we're going to see a lot more production come from that receiver room. And then tight ends are, are what the tight ends are. They're, they're always going to be a part of our system. They're, they're such a big piece, always making sure that the run game's going the way it should. And, and yeah, the running backs, I, I think it's as talented of, as a full room as we've ever had. So just really excited to, to see how those pieces fall into place and, and what we end up doing this, this year. I believe that Kincaid owes you a couple mil, but that's just my personal opinion from what you <laughs> Just a little something. Yeah. 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 Made, made him look yes. so good. Got a wrist uh, wrist or something. That, you know? uh, <laughs> your, your coach, uh, you know, he's a tough guy, and he's a motivator and all that stuff, and he uses his – weapons at his disposal and he already talked about how okay that'll that picked third in the conference will provide some fuel and then he also brought up his quarterback two-time winner uh honorable mention or whatever it was in some preseason thing i I didn't really even pay attention to it but he knew about it it seems like there's a level of disrespect there you're a you're a leader senior leader uh how much do you think that can fuel the guys um I mean, for me personally, it definitely definitely is a lot of fuel for me. Just going to make it just that much easier to go watch film and everything like that. But, yeah, I think the guys are going to take it personal and really really just kind of just waiting for, for our turn to, to be in that in that, that totem pole. But I guess you gotta you got to go win it a third time to, to make that happen. So <laughs> we're just ready for the, for the chance and the opportunity to do that. So there you go, Cam Rising. You heard him talking about it. They're motivated. They want to go out and prove it. Uh, he did make some headlines also. I don't know. How, I'm assuming everybody saw it on social media. There was a reporter out of Las Vegas who asked him and Cole Bishop about not facing BYU this year. It was not a local reporter here from Utah. It was a guy out of Las Vegas. Let me be very clear about that. That was not somebody showing up from Utah and being like, all right, I'm going to troll these guys. They both said they wanted to play BYU, and they're excited to play because they didn't get a chance to play really in the last game. But nonetheless, uh, interesting comments from Cam. You can tell he's highly motivated to go out there and prove himself. Uh, the hope is that he will be ready to go. Kyle did say on the podium yesterday at Pac-12 Media Day, it will go, quote, right down to the wire, unquote, with regards to if Cam Rising will be healthy and available to go against Florida. Uh, we are under six weeks to go. It's crazy to think it's coming that quickly, but fun at the same time. And the hope is that Cam will be able to play because they will, if Utah wants to 3 P, if they want to make it three straight Pac-12 titles in a row, you've got to have Cam Rising at his best. Now, let's also add the caveat on that, that if Utah wants to do that, you have to win in the Pac-12. The first two games, Florida and Baylor, are obviously big games because they're name opponents, and obviously if you want to make a run towards the college football playoff, you need to win those games. But you can still win the Pac-12 title and go three-peat in that with potentially him sitting out in the non-conference. Obviously the preference would be for him to be out there on that Thursday night when Florida comes to Salt Lake City to play at Rice Eccles Stadium, but... We'll have to kind of wait and see, but interesting comments all the same. He says it's feeling good. Uh, people I talked to said he's moving around just fine, and the hope is he'll be ready to go. And when Cam Rising's at his best, we all know how good of a player he truly is. All right, uh, we will come back on the other side. We'll get to technical fouls, one of our staples here on the Saturday show. Coming up at 11 o'clock, Michelle Bodkin will join us talking about what her observations of Pac-12 Media Day were. I'm excited to kind of get her take on uh, some of the comments from George Klyovkov, obviously talking with Kyle as well as the Utah players and anything else he picked up. It's just it's interesting uh, to see where things are ultimately going to land on all this, but we'll continue to have that conversation to continue on right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone.
If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. It is time now for technical fouls. Obviously, when we're having fun with this, we're talking a lot of stuff going on uh, with regards to the sports world. And I've got some good ones this week. Uh, Sarah, I want to start with yours because these are always funny to me because baseball has this rep. Like, they, well, they can't play in the rain. And that's the thing. They have these tarps. But they call it the tarp monster seems to collect its fair share of victims every yes, year. Yes, it was out for blood recently, yeah. as people said. Um, I don't know if they're both in the Cincinnati game, but um, there was one where they're running across the field, the diamond, trying to get it covered, and it's, like, massive. It's a huge tarp, and there's at least 10-plus guys running with this thing, and you can't trip because if you trip, you then get stuck underneath the tarp, and that happened to one poor poor guy, got stuck under the tarp, and then had to army crawl his way out to one of the ends to get out from underneath it. So that was a little rough. And then there was another one where a guy was laying on the ground with his arm through one of the loops on the tarp, yeah. hold, trying to doing his best to hold it in place so they could get it across the whole field while the wind was picking up. And so, like, he looks like he's about to fly away. Yeah. So... Rough, the tarp monster. That's going to be my technical foul. Here's the thing. Those tarps, people think, like, I've had people tell me, like, they can't be that heavy. No, th- folks, these things are massive. Like, and that's the thing about this. You get trapped underneath it, they're pretty heavy duty. You literally, as, as you mentioned, he's got to kind of army crawl his way out. He's got to, and he's probably trying to, which way do I go? <laughs> Just, Maybe a little less dramatic, but like getting stuck under ice. Where do you go? Sure, yeah, yeah, it's a very similar concept. He's terrifying. trying to figure out which direction's up. <laughs> Terrifying stuff. All right, I got a couple here, Sarah, so I want your thoughts on this. So uh, Seattle Mariners uh, have a guy named Jared Kelenic who's been a big part of their success this season. They're one game over 500, trying to make a run towards the playoffs. I admit I am a Seattle Mariners fan, but I saw this this week. Uh, he broke his foot kicking a water cooler after striking out in the ninth inning of a game earlier this week. Uh, as they say, he's going to be out an extended period of time. He's placed on the 10-day injured list on Thursday, uh, so he did this on Wednesday. He was apologetic, fighting through the tears, relating his emotions out of hand and expressing his frustration. But here's the deal. Why are you kicking a water cooler? Take your baseball bat like every other good freak out in a baseball dugout and smash something with the bat. Don't kick it with your foot. Anyways, wait. What are your? Because th- this is this is hurting his team, and his 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 manager said that uh, his manager said it hurts everybody now that because he got the emotions got the best got the best of him. Yeah, I much. That's like worse than getting injured while celebrating because you're pouting. Yeah, I'd much rather you injure yourself celebrating a big win or a big play than pouting over a bad one. Yeah, and that's bad. Yeah, like here's the thing. Like we've seen. We've seen baseball players break phones with baseball bats. We see them slam them into the like break the bat on like concrete. Don't go and kick a water cooler. You don't know if that thing's full or empty. And he fractures a bone in his foot. And they say he's in, he's in a walking boot and will be for some time. <sighs> Jilted Mariners fan over here. Why do I root for this team when they do stuff like this? 
Anyways, uh, one other one here, real quick. Uh, we're gonna go over to we're gonna go across the pond, as they say, Sarah. Uh, did you see this by chance? A, a Gateshead uh, football club. They play in the fifth tier of the English professional division. Had their match abandoned. Get this. After a hearse, like we're talking like funeral hearse, drove onto the pitch and was doing donuts. <laughs> nice. I saw this last night on social media. And I, I, I Trust me, I thought it was an AI recreation or something like that. But it was legitimately a hearse. It was a friendly between Dunstan and Gateshead. It was abandoned at halftime uh, after uh, two vehicles were driving in circles in the center of the pitch. One was just a regular car. But one of them was out was a hearse. And the, by the way, the hearse was left on the pitch by the guys who did this. They hopped in the other car and took off. I have so many questions. Well, How did they get – is it – how did they get on the field? Is it a legit stadium or is it just because if it's 15th here, it might just be an open field. But. So they actually have a stadium. It's called Gateshead International Stadium. This is up in Newcastle. If you're if any of you are really uh, that curious about it, which is in the very north part of England, kind of right there on the border with Scotland. Uh, but apparently, according to one fan who was in attendance, uh, they said that the uh, let's see. Gateshead FC fan Archie told the BBC the intruders, quote, apparently barged through the gate from the car park, then broke through the railings alongside the edge of the pitch and then started doing donuts and whatnot. I mean, in the middle of the field, if you're going to do a joyride, you might as well go big. Uh, and there was also this said posters were thrown out of the car's window in an apparent protest before two people in ski masks jumped out of the hearse and into the silver car and drove off. The posters included a number of personal allegations about two individuals. So this was well thought out. They did. They disguised themselves. Uh, something. But what, what, my question is, where did you get the hearse? First off, <laughs> did you stop by the local funeral parlor and say, hey, I need to borrow that? I I don't know. This is so, so weird. There's a picture here of the hearse just sitting in the middle of the pitch here, and there's fans kind of all along the perimeter, and it's just in the middle. And by the way, the, some of the donuts, I saw, I saw the video of this. You can go search it. I just searched Gateshead. It's one word, G-A-T-E-S-H-E-A-D, Gateshead, as you might expect. Uh, but the donuts being done are pretty good. Like they, they, They've done Hearst this can, before. Can, can really it, will it. It was whipping around. I don't know. Just. What are you thinking? What so are, many questions. Oh, yeah. Anyways, it's just like, okay, where, hey, to your question, where did you get the hearse from in the first place? What possesses you to be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go drive on a football pitch and we're going to, I don't know, weird, weird stuff. Uh, one other one before we go here is big technical foul here on uh, Minnesota Vikings rookie wideout Jordan Addison. He was on I-94 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, the portion of the road he was on had posted 55 mile an hour speed limit and Sarah, he was doing 140 miles an hour in a Lamborghini on that stretch of road. Somehow he avoided getting arrested for reckless driving, which I think most of us would have been arrested for reckless driving, going 85 miles an hour over the speed limit. He's probably facing a pretty hefty fine. He was cited for it, but yes. You should be in – most people would be in jail. Yeah, you'd be arrested and booked. And uh, He was cited. Uh, there's actually video from the Minnesota Department of Transportation of him getting uh, pulled over by the Minnesota Highway Patrol or whatever. The, I don't remember what they actually called it. He was, uh, cited, he was issued a citation by the trooper for speed and reckless driving. Uh, Minnesota law says those buses driving over 100 miles an hour can lose their license for six months. Uh, the House Statute Research Office says a jail sentence of up to a year and a potential fine of $2,500 are also possible. 
So uh, it says that he could still face those type of charges. But what are you doing, dude? I get you've got a bunch of money in the bank now, and you probably went and rewarded yourself with that Lamborghini or you at least rented it. But 140 miles an hour? Because we just saw, and who was it? It was the Raiders receiver, Henry Ruggs III. He's spending the next 10 years of his life, folks, in the Nevada State Penitentiary for killing a woman while he was speeding. He was also intoxicated at the time. But he was going as fast, if not faster, than slammed into the back of a car. Don't do this. This is just dumb. Like, beyond dumb. I get you want to go fast. Guess what? You're rich enough. You can go to a myriad go to of a racetrack. racetrack and do that. They will let you do that. You have the money to do that. Wh- what are you doing? Like, on a highway, you, there are so many variables on an open highway with regards to other cars. Changing a lane, you don't have the time to react. It just, there's so much wrong with this. And it, I, hopefully he learns his lesson because this could have been a lot worse than it was. Don't speed and don't do donuts in the oh, middle of a soccer field. Doing Lessons this, learned. By the way, he's doing this at 3 in the morning, too. Like, what are you doing? Uh, anyways, uh, we'll move on here. We're going to have uh, Michelle Bodkin checking in from Las Vegas with us t- uh, coming up next. Not tomorrow. Why do I want to say tomorrow? But nonetheless, she's going to join us with next to uh, talk about what she took away from Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, get uh, some of her takes on that as well as if she's anything yummy while she's been out in there in Sin City. We'll get to all that next. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. KZNS FM Colville, 1280 KZNS AM Salt Lake City, and KSL FM HD2 Salt Lake City Midvale. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Excited now to be joined by our typical co-host here on the show, Michelle Bodkin. She was down in Las Vegas for Pac-12 Media Day yesterday, uh, taking a lot of sights and sounds and a lot of good reporting at the same time. Michelle, thanks for hopping on. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on while I decided to stay a little while longer in Vegas. Now, uh, so Michelle, obviously uh, there is a lot of storylines coming out of Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, we talked about a, a number of them earlier on on today's show, but give me kind of your overall sense of what you consider to be the major storylines that came out came out of the came out of Media Day. Yeah, uh, I mean, for starts, I, I think we have to go with you know what's happening with the media deal. Mm-hmm. What's happening with the Pac-12 as a whole is they kind of uh, – this is the farewell tour, and this is this is kind of the final time that we'll ever look the way that it has for the past decade or so. Uh, and, you know, I it's really interesting that outside sounds so different than on the inside. Okay. And, and, again, it's one of those things, you know, I tend to believe the people – that are actually in the room, they're having the conversations that, you know, actually know what what's going on there. Uh, and so it sounds like, you know, some interesting things have kind of taken place over the last little bit that, 
uh, Kuyakov and the remaining 10 schools feel very confident and positive about. Obviously, we have to wait a little while longer, it sounds like, uh, before we find out what exactly they know that the rest of us wish we knew. And the interesting thing was, actually, I was on the phone a little bit uh, throughout media day, took a couple of calls, people calling me, um, and kind of relaying a very similar message um, that's a, a little more from secondary secondary places. Um, so it, it's it's very interesting, you know, what's going on there. But you know, I I think bottom line is Pac-12 is going to survive at least for the next five to seven years. We'll we'll see for sure. We'll find out for sure. You know what what they're talking about and what they know about. Uh, but that was a big headline. I thought, um, you know at least from a more local perspective, you know, the the talks and the conversations about the fact that Utah was not voted number one despite being the reigning champs two years in a row. Uh, and, and I think that was an interesting, you know, kind of take and just getting the feel from from Utah, Whittingham, Cam Rising, you know, how, how they think and feel about that. Uh, and, you know, I... I they were, they said the right thing, obviously, but, but you could tell that, like, um, you know, they they feel like they're better than where the media placed placed them. And so, it's, does that add motivation, you know, for this 2023 season? Are are they going to work a little harder than we've maybe? And not to say that they don't work hard, but like, is is it going to be extra? Is it, are they going to put a little more into it because you know they've kind of been doubted? Mm-hmm. Um, they think two other schools are better than them. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the depth and the talent that, that currently resides in the Pac-12 was another big topic. Um, you know, you have six quarterbacks that have thrown for over 3,000 yards returning this year. Uh, you have the Heisman Trophy winner returning. You have a guy that's won the conference two two seasons in a row returning. Um, you know, you have a guy that was leading uh, the nation in, in yards and passing yards last year by a large margin. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's interesting seeing the quarterback talent there. It's going to be interesting, I think, to see if the defensive talent steps up because you have to deal with some of these guys and, and the things that they can do. And it's just that uh, I, I think, you know, that I, I would say those are probably the top three storylines for me from Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, but it's I, I'm excited. I thought it was a great media day. Uh, I thought the excitement in the room from everyone involved was really palpable. And I think we're going to see some really great, crazy, amazing football in a couple in a month. Okay, Michelle, you walked us right up to the edge. You said you got phone calls from people. Like, come, come on, come on, fess up. What, 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 what dirt? What dirt did you get for us? Um, you know, I, I had some figures thrown my way. I'm going to keep those to myself for the moment. But uh, again, it kind of went along with what George (laughs) Kleofkoff, excuse me, (laughs) Kleofkoff alluded to. Uh, I thought the the timing was interesting. Actually, one of them was a text, I think, the day before. Um, someone sent me a hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, watch this. Uh, I had a conversation with someone uh, involved more on the network end of it uh, that, that had some interesting things to say. And then the other one was a little bit more 
within the Pac-12 called me during Pac-12 media day and, and relayed some things that they had been told. So it's inter- it's, it's very interesting. I'm curious. Um, you know, again, it's just, it's such, it's interesting that within the Pac-12, uh, the message is just so different than what everybody wants to try and relay or make it sound like it is that's not involved with the Pac-12. Fair enough. Michelle Bodkin checking in from Las Vegas. She was down there at Pac-12 Media Day. And, Michelle, you talk about the fact like Kyle Whittingham as well as Utah players are kind of saying the right thing. I got the same vibe that you got. Like, yeah, they're saying the right thing, but you can tell there's an edge to them. They're the two-time defending champs, but at the same time, I think you and I both agree, Kyle Whittingham loves nothing more than be able to play up that underdog role. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's... Like I said, I thought I thought they handled it well. I thought they answered the questions well. But there were just like these little, and I think especially with Cam, just these little like glimmers of mm-hmm. light of, you know, well, we'll see about that. Uh, it kind of felt a little bit like we know something that you don't know <laughs> that you wish you knew. Um, does it play out that way? Does it work that way? I mean, obviously there, there are some things to consider with Utah football. Uh, you know, Cam, it sounds like, uh, is on the right track, is is going to be good to go, um, barring anything crazy happening. Uh, so, you know, you have you have things like that. And then, of course, the schedule is really hard. Um, just making sure that, you know, you're on each week uh, and really focused and ready to go. Uh, but, you know, if those things play into their favor, uh, I, I, I don't see any reason to doubt them. Uh, they, again, they certainly seem very confident. Now, Michelle, obviously there's a lot of excitement just about the talent in the Pac-12 this year, especially at the quarterback position. Kyle Whittingham made a comment. I remember exactly to who, and I apologize. I probably should have sourced this a little bit better. But uh, he essentially said he thinks it's the best crop of of quarterbacks essentially since Utah has entered the conference since that first year that they were in the conference, had a pretty good collection. Uh, Do you feel like the, 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 the depth and talent of these quarterbacks, Cam Rising right among that group, that they'll be able to go out there and in some ways elevate the the overall image of the Pac-12 this season? I mean, if they go out and do what they did last season to even get them the hype in the first place, yes. Uh, I mean, the bottom line is, uh, and Witt kind of addressed this too, and it was interesting kind of hearing him concede, concede the point. There's that saying, Offense wins games, defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. Whittingham said that it's kind of opposite. And, you know, I, I, that the numbers kind of say it, that that's not the case right now, that it really is offense is what gives you the edge. Defense is probably what wins you the games at this point. Uh, but I think, you know, right now people are loving great quarterback play. And so when you have some of the best of the best of the best in the country, I think – what Utah or not Utah, but the Pac-12 and Utah's included in that, you know, the, the Pac-12 is boasting like five or six of the top 10 quarterbacks yeah. in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, people want to tune in and watch that. So yeah, if, if these guys ball out the way that they did last year, if, if that continues through this year and if they elevate that play even, cause you know, they're all a year older, wiser, they've seen a few more things. Uh, I think they know that, you know, all the eyeballs are on them. So they're obviously going to maybe even, put in some extra work to be ex, ex, extra good. Uh, I, if all that plays out, yes, I think that does really, really help the profile of the Pac-12. 
Now, as you were walking around doing reporting, talking with people, do you did you get a sense for maybe a team that's not necessarily on everybody's radar that you think can make some noise this season? Like, a, I guess a quote unquote dark horse in a way. Yeah, um, I mean that's so hard when you have like five teams that are kind of vying <laughs> yeah. for it. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean? That's yeah. basically half the conference already. Uh, I mean, they're they're kind of the ones that are a part of the conversation. But I mean, I I would kind of go to Oregon State maybe a little bit. I I think while they kind of are in the conversation, I think there is a little bit of well, that's so sweet and that's so cute, and you know, um, you know, they'll they'll probably be really good, but eh, I don't know. Uh, I you know, I I think a team like that is scary dangerous. And we've, we've again talked about this a little bit. We've seen that with Utah in the past, you know, those 2015 and 2016 seasons, they were right in the mix of all of it uh, and had a real legitimate shot. If, if not for um, a touchdown against Oregon was 2016 <laughs> and uh, 2015 uh, just got a little bit banged up towards the end. Didn't, didn't have the lucky bounces in the health department, I think, to finish the year in 2015. You know, if everything plays out right for Oregon State, I, I think they could be dang, dangerous, especially, again, when you kind of treat that team as, oh, that's so sweet and so cute, like the, the plucky little team that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, that I, I would maybe choose them for my dark horse, to be honest. Well, I don't think you're alone in saying that because if they, because you and I, I think both agree, they had 21 of 22 positions that felt like they were elite and capable of winning this conference. Just so happens that the one that felt like they were short in was the quarterback position. Uh, I don't think I'm saying anything yeah. out, out of turn. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people made that argument. Uh, and now, I mean, this year's a little bit different. I believe they have to replace a little bit of talent on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it a plug and go, or are there going to be some growing pains there? Uh, that's you know something we're going to find out. But it does seem like they have improved that quarterback situation, uh, and, and you know we'll we'll see if that, along with you know whatever they have to kind of fill in on the defensive side of the ball, if if they can get that thing rolling. Um, you know, I think Jonathan Smith is a very very good coach. Uh, I think Oregon State is a hard place to recruit to and, and find talent and keep talent. Uh, so you have to kind of, again, it's kind of a Utah situation in a way, um, but maybe a little even more so just because of, you know, where Oregon State's located and, and some of that kind of stuff. You you really have to find the right guys and you really have to build the right culture. And I think Oregon State's been doing that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Now, in terms of just the overall kind of setting and how everything went with the Pac-12 Media Day, what was your evaluation of resort? Is, is it Resorts World? Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? The the hotel was really nice. My room was incredible. Awesome. Uh, I thought the the amenities around there were crazy crazy awesome wish i you know i wish they would actually maybe and maybe this is something i actually ran into mark harlan briefly uh and he he was asking me how it was going i was like oh, i'm like a little overwhelmed because it's just everything's going on at once and i'm not sure if i'm getting everything i need to get and at the same time i feel like i'm overloaded with information <laughs> and i'm not i don't know if i'll ever get through all of it and he goes I think we should maybe make this a two-day thing. 
I was like, I was, it was at one yeah. point a two day thing. Uh, he's like, we'll may, we'll maybe talk about this. So Mark Harlan, if you're hearing this, like, please make the two day thing happen. I think it would just be a little less chaotic well, and a little easier to get all the information we need. But as far as, you know, trying to plow through, you know, 12 schools and then just general conference issues in a single day, I think this was the smoothest delivery the Pac-12 ever had. Um, and so, I, you know what? I think Vegas was a great move. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I think most of us, it's kind of an open secret that Chip Kelly kind of led the charge to kind of pare it down to the one day back back a while back. And so, Mark, if you're, yeah, if you were listening – Go to Chip Kelly and tell him to, you know what, just just suck it up, dude. Well, Chip Kelly's going to be gone, so it's not Chip Kelly's okay, good, okay, good point. Yeah, good point. He, he, he's out. So, yeah. So, yes, I would highly encourage them, yes, moving forward, go back to the two-day thing because like, it, it seems to work better. You're right. It allows more of a flow and everything. And you're not, like you said, you're not feeling both completely under and overwhelmed at the same time as a media member. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and I think for for the players and the kids too, like there and there is something to just getting it all done in one day, right? Sure, like, yeah. um, there's there's some pros and cons both ways. Uh, but I I just think the two day system just it's a little more relaxed. Uh, I don't think there's this pressure to just keep things rolling and trucking and moving and. And you start one thing, and then you get distracted because something else is starting. And it, it just, I, I think overall, it probably is just going to be better for everyone's mental, <laughs> mental health. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, and the other thing about it is, it just yeah, it allows you to kind of, as you mentioned, kind of in a way relax. You're not having feeling like you have to be everywhere at once, all at the same time mm-hmm. to get everything. And that. That, that that's the that's the thing about the Big Twelve media days. It felt like okay, there's nice you, one day you can focus on what you need to get from that day. Second day, you can, it seems to work out better, and we'll see how they do. But it'll be interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, talking with Michelle Bodkin, obviously, typically the co-host here on the Saturday show. She is down in Las Vegas, down there for Pac-12 Media Day. And Michelle, uh, I saw some reporting from the Athletic. I think it was Stuart Mandel saying that he said that at least two members of the current conference are adamantly, I think is the term he used, opposed to any conference expansion. Your take? I mean, that's interesting. Uh, I, and I did see that on Twitter this morning. I need to go investigate that a little bit further. Um, I, I've seen some some sleuthers m- maybe come up with they felt like it was Cal and Stanford. And in my mind, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of the elite academics uh, of, the, of, of an elite academic kind of conference in general. Um, so I, I could kind of see them maybe being a little bit worried about that, um, maybe not wanting wanting to bring in people that aren't up to that standard. Uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they choose to do. Uh, there There is a part of me that's like, you know what, like keeping it just those 10 schools would be really dope um, and fun. And I mean, there's there, there I mean, to be for being perfectly honest, uh Kind of the top dogs are in the conference since it's been 12 are remaining, and that's excuse me, Oregon, Washington, and Utah, mm-hmm. uh, and Stanford has had their moments. So uh, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things uh, to me that the the great competition that we've been seeing over the last several years kind of remains. So um, do you want to add anyone else to that? 
But if, if it's a numbers game thing, um, which, again, it, it's kind of confusing to me because we're talking about teams that aren't necessarily the biggest name brand in the area that they reside in. Uh, but it's it's all about subscriptions and, and potential eyeballs that could be drawn to um, that these TV networks like. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can get the number with just the 10 remaining schools. I kind of suspect that they probably stay with the 10 remaining schools. If they can't get the number, then I expect to see, you know, people being added, whether whether whoever the two schools are like it or not. Well, I'll help fill in the cracks for you a little bit. I'll read, the, I'll read it directly from Stuart Mandel's report. It says, one reason San Diego State has no clarity. Two league sources told The Athletic on Friday there's no there's not unanimity, unanimity, if I can get that word out of my mouth, among the presidents to expand <laughs> at all. It would take an 8-2 to two vote in at least two schools, one of them to be assumed to be Oregon, cur- don't currently support it. The rationale being they, they would compete with fewer schools for the Pac-12's birth in an expanded college football playoff, not to mention sharing CFP revenue with fewer mouths overall. Yeah, and I mean, there is absolutely an argument to be made for that. Uh, so I think, you know, that may be part of, part of the deal that they're still going to have to talk about and work on and hammer out. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see what goes on. Uh, I think regardless of whether they add, add more schools or not, the conference does, again, I think that was an overreigning point is that the conference feels confident they're going to get a good deal and that it's going to surprise some people. Uh, makes sense. All right, Michelle, before we let you go, uh, what fun have you had in Vegas so far and what, what fun is there planned to have? <laughs> uh, I, I met up with some of the Sirius XM Pac-12 crew. Uh, they threw a little, a little welcome party thing, uh, Thursday night before media day, and I uh, met up with a friend friend that covers works for the Pac-12 networks, uh, and we went to that, and then we went to dinner and, and just kind of goofed around and had some fun. And then uh, I'm actually staying here for a few extra days because I have family that lives here that I haven't seen in a while. And my mom and my dad and my aunt and my uncle drove down yesterday uh, since I was already here, and we're planning on getting together tonight and having some fun best thing you've eaten so far oh my gosh i am so embarrassed (laughs) oh michelle you're disappointing me okay well so the best thing i actually had the pac-12 lunch was phenomenal they had this cheese gnocchi that i seriously went back and got seconds and i don't (laughs) typically do that okay but i was like oh my gosh it was so good i love gnocchi in the first place uh whatever that cheese sauce they did it was like so buttery and cheesy and good and then it had like portobello mushrooms in it uh and like cherry tomato it was so good it was so so good i wanted to hunt someone down and like get the recipe (laughs) like it was legit good uh but as far as where i went out so my friend and i went to bubba gump's (laughs) Hey, okay, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I got no hate. I love Bubba Gums. I'm not going to lie. I, I think it's funny. Like it's, And it's not horrible food, but, no. I mean, when you consider the things that you can get in Las Vegas, yes. it's also not the best. Yeah, okay, and I was, <laughs> was going to say, if you got time, I, I'm, I'm partial to a place called Din Tai Fung. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's in the Aria. Uh, it's uh, Taiwanese. Uh, it's, it's straight from Taipei, like, and – 
absolutely okay. phenomenal. But it, that yeah, you told me about this before. So, yeah, if it, it, like I said, if you get a chance, get over there and try it. But hey, I, here's the thing, Bubba Gump's. It's just kind of a fun, unique environment because it, it, it you, you know as well as anybody, you were there. It plays. Yeah. <laughs> exactly just it plays off what it's supposed to be and that i can i can totally get with the fact that like, they don't try to act like they're not, not something that they aren't exactly exactly you know what i got a commemorative cup out of it okay so we're all right good. yeah there that's all that matters <laughs> all right michelle well hey uh safe uh travels back uh when your vacation is over and of course we'll look forward to talking with you down the road all right yeah absolutely we'll be seeing you next saturday there you go. Michelle Bodkin, big thank you to her for taking the time to join us here on the Saturday show. As she mentioned, she'll be back next Saturday with talking all things uh, going on in the sports world at that point. Big Ten media days will, in theory, be in the rearview mirror. I think we'll be done with media days at that point. So uh, then it will all be focused on training camp and the upcoming season. And cannot wait. All right, uh, coming up next, we are going to flip back over, talk about some of the other topics on today's show we have not had a chance to touch on quite yet. In five minutes of, this is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports. One big thank you once again to Michelle Bodkin for checking in from the road down there at Pac-12 Media Day. Interesting to hear her talk about the fact she got some phone calls uh, during Media Days talking more about the media rights deal. And here's the thing with that. I, I Just get it done at this point. I, I think we're all some fatigue around all of it, but at the same time, it continues to be a topic because it continues to linger out there. That's the that's kind of the interesting back and forth on all of this. But uh, got a couple things we still need to talk about. This is five minutes of, as we typically do here, as, as we near the end of this Saturday show, talking about some other topics we have not had a chance to talk about. Let's start off checking in on the Open Championship. Brian Harmon has got a six-stroke lead uh, at the Open. He took a five-stroke lead into the third round today, uh, finishing at 10 under yesterday. John Rahm made a run uh, shooting eight under today. Absolutely incredible showing for him, shooting a 63. He sits Currently tied for second alongside Cameron Young and Sepp Straka at six under. Uh, but Brian Harmon, six strokes clear of the field. He is still out, out on the course. He is uh, on hole 14 currently. So uh, there's a chance he could extend that lead. Uh, Young is on just finished 17, so he's on 18 now. And Straka is on uh, just finished 14. So these guys want to make a move and get themselves into any realm of striking distance. Now, uh, striking distance is all relative in the Open Championship. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if anybody can chase Brian Harmon down. We have seen big leads at the British Open uh, fall by the wayside in uh, past years, but Harmon's been playing really, really good golf uh, the past two days, and we'll see if he can finish a strong here in round three. Uh, Sarah, i got to ask you a question. What's your interest level in golf just overall? I, I know that you're not necessarily the biggest golfer or golf fan on the station, but where, where do you stand on it? Very low. So you're not watching it? You're no. Not, okay. I, I see stuff on social media for it, and that's basically <laughs> sure. my consumption of golf. My okay. grandparents uh-huh. are huge golf fans. They watch it all day, every day. 
Good um, for your grandparents. I'm yeah, proud they of used them. to love it, like playing it and stuff. Because you know, Florida has some good golf courses. But yeah, I don't <laughs> some good golf courses. <laughs> I don't play. Some say the best golf in the world is in the Sunshine State. It's true. I don't play golf. I don't really watch golf. You need to get in. You need to play. I know. I know. The most I get, the closest I get is to like top golf. So okay. or like mini golf. Fair enough. You know. All right. So well, hey, yeah. It's uh, the the thing about the British Open is it's such a unique. Environment because it's of course over in England or Scotland, but at the same time it's a different style of golf. A lot of these guys coming from PGA Tour, they got to adapt their game. And the thing about a ton, uh, you look at some of the, the leaderboard. Uh, we've got two Americans in the top ten. The rest are all international. We've got Spain. Uh, Sepp Strzok is from Lithuania or something like that. Victor Hovland from Norway. Antoine Rosner from France. Jason Day from Australia. Sub sub. Shubhakar Sharma from uh, India, Tommy Fleetwood, Alex Fitzpatrick, both of them of England, and then uh, just outside the the top ten, you've got Tom Kim from Korea, Thomas Detry from Germany. So it's a very much more international flavor when it comes to the Open Championship because it's just a different style of golf. So uh, we'll see what round four holds tomorrow. Uh, any of you who have been watching all of the action for the British Open, I got to commend you because you've been staying up all night long to watch this uh it teed off the first uh shots were hit uh it was 11 o'clock wednesday night here along the wasatch front it was obviously thursday morning up there uh at royal liverpool all right so sarah second question how much are you into world cup golf in the u.s women's national team that side i was awesome world cup way. soccer yes okay you said golf so i was oh, sorry like, wait, world, world cup soccer i, I was like wait yeah. is there something yeah, that sorry. i don't know world, 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 world cup soccer u.s women's love, national team love watching the world cup did you watch last night i didn't because oh. i was oh you were here Duh. very yeah. yeah i was working unfortunately but i caught a lot of the highlights mm-hmm. and yeah i'm a big i'm a big world cup fan i like soccer in general but yeah when the women play it's just they're just so good they're yeah, yeah it's crazy well, and the the fun part about it is is the U.S. women's national team, they are a true world power. They're going for what would be a first-ever three-peat in World Cup, both on the men's and women's side of things. We've seen uh, back-to-back champions, but never seen a three-peat. They have a lot of competition, obviously. And the other thing about this, I, I, I actually had a chance to go on a KSL News Radio yesterday, uh, the, the big station around here, and talk about this. Uh, they asked me, well, what kind of, what's the big storyline around the Women's World Cup this year? And I said, injuries. Essentially, every contender, I'm talking England, United States, the big dogs in this tournament have had one, two, multiple uh, major injuries to what will be their top lineups. And that's it's kind of the big storyline about this, ACL tears and the like. And it would be interesting to see how these teams adapt to it. Now, the U.S. women's national team, they have got incredible depth, and they have a nice mix of both uh, veteran talent. We just saw Megan Rapino; uh, She got her 200th career cap last night entering that match. You also have more... Uh, um, Alex Morgan, who has just been absolutely sensational for more than a decade. But then you have young players. Trinity Rodman got injured last night. Uh, people, I think, actually, I saw this on social media. People are like, Trinity Rodman, did you guys know that she is the son of, uh, not the son, the, the daughter of Dennis Rodman? I'm like, yeah, everybody who pays attention has known that for like years now, people. Anyways, Sophia Smith, there's a lot of good players. We'll see how it, see how it goes, but there's a lot of competition for the U.S. women this year. Germany, England, uh, Brazil, 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 though, here's the thing. Marta has kind of been the face of Brazilian soccer and she's out injured and it just doesn't feel like Brazil has the same 
cachet that they typically have. But we'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, U.S. Uh, last night won, uh, beat Vietnam 3 nothing. Now, Vietnam should should be happy because the last time the U.S. Uh, women's national team opened a uh, World Cup in 2019, they played Thailand. Do you know what the score was in that one, Sarah? Didn't they blow them out? 13. Yeah. 13 to nothing. And everyone, there was like controversy surrounding that. Yeah. it was Sportsmanship, uh, really? This is top-level soccer. This is the best. Let's talk about sportsmanship in another realm. Anyways, but yeah, the women's team, uh, they'll be back in action here in a few days' time and obviously making that run towards the three-peat. Now, also on the soccer front, uh, Lionel Messi made his debut last night for Inter-Miami and... <laughs> The stories write themselves. You see, you, I see you saw this free kick, Sarah. Oh, yes. Of course I did. 95th minute of what was supposed to be, uh, like the thing they said there were like two or three minutes of stoppage time. There was some obviously extra stoppage in stoppage time. He lines up for a free kick, and as you would expect Lionel Messi to do, just bends it right into the upper 90 and wins it for Inter-Miami. Just incredible scenes. Like, we're uh, who's who of the sports celebrity world was there last night? Not just sports. I heard Kim K was there. Yeah, oh, yeah. She was there. She was sitting there on the front row. LeBron James sitting behind her. And uh, Serena, Williams. Serena Williams was there. Just crazy, crazy scenes. I actually I tagged a photo that I saw of, the, of that celebrity. They were all taking pictures of Messi. It was as he was coming on to the pitch to sub into the match. And Javier Morales, Real Salt Lake legend. Uh, who is now an assistant coach. He was the interim coach uh, for Inter-Miami while they figured out their situation with their head coach. Well, he's standing there, doesn't have a photo in his hand. He's, he's doing his thing. He's coaching. And I'm like, hey, look, it's Javi. <laughs> All these other celebrities in the picture. But I'm just having fun as an RSL fan. But nonetheless, uh, fun to see that. And here's the thing. We'll see how Messi does. He's 36. He spurned, they, if you believe the reports, $200 million annually. To go to Saudi Arabia, uh, he just, he's going to make fifty between fifty and sixty million based on the reports about his MLS deal. We'll see how he does. And the other thing about this is, Inter Miami is dead last in Major League Soccer right now. They have like about a two percent chance of making the playoffs. But if they want to quote unquote lift a trophy, want to have some silverware. They are two wins away from winning the U.S. Open Cup, and that championship, if things work out the way we want them to. Could be played here in Salt Lake City with Lionel Messi taking on Real Salt Lake. We'll see. It'll be interesting. The RSL's got to go to Houston and win. This comes up next month in that semifinal U.S. Open Cup. And Miami, for their part, has to beat Cincinnati on the road in that matchup. And then, yeah, if that if that all plays out, RSL could be hosting uh, Inter-Miami in the U.S. Open Cup championship uh, match. And it'd be fun to have that. By the way, RSL also in action tonight. Uh, a new competition called the, the League's Cup. And a lot of people are like, what is this, Jake? <laughs> and I'm telling them, like, it's essentially it's a new format to have Liga MX, which is the Mexican uh, top division, and Major League Soccer compete head-to-head in a World Cup-style format. Now, Real Salt Lake is going to host the group stages here at uh, America First Field in Sandy. They take on the Seattle Sounders tonight. Uh, it'll be a 7.30 first kick, 6.30 pregame. I'll be on that uh, with uh, Spencer Warren and Lauren Beck. Uh, looking forward to that. And then Wednesday night, Monterey, uh, one of the big fish out of uh, Mexico, uh, comes to AFF to take on Real Salt Lake. Uh, and the other thing about this, uh, Lloyd Cole, one of our, uh, one, our, our, I guess our leader now, our PD here at the station, was asking me, Jake, what's with this schedule? Because RSL does not resume Major League Soccer action until August 20th. It's because of this tournament. They, essentially, if you make it out of League's Cup uh, pool play, is what they're calling it with these first two games, then you go into a knockout bracket. 
and that could extend all the way up until just before they resume Major League Soccer action. I'm interested to see how RSL does with this. There are some talk that teams actually may rest players in this format for their actual seasons. It sounds like from what I've heard from RSL side of things, they fully intend to pursue this. It's a chance to lift silverware and celebrate a championship. I'm interested to see how it's received. Now, Lionel Messi scoring last night was the opening match of that League's, league's Cup. It was not Major League Soccer action. So it's not a bad way to open the tournament to have maybe the best player in the world go out there and shine. All right, uh, so there you go. Uh, some of the other topics we have not had a chance to touch on. Now, Sarah, let's play some of these comments real quick. Uh, Caleb Williams, I, I meant to get to this earlier on today's show, but uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, he was down there at Pac-12 Media Day, and uh, he joined our crew here on The Zone, and I hope we can hear at least part of these. He was, let's just put it this way, getting a little hot under the collar, it felt like, a little perturbed about some of the line of questioning, but this is a guy who did lose twice to Utah, and you can tell it's stuck in his craw. Here's some of those comments. Kayla Williams, USC quarterback, sitting down with us uh, here on Nice at 5 DKSL Sports Zone. Thanks for joining us. How are you? How are you? Good. Nice to see you all again. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you. <laughs> You're a different guy than you were a year ago. When yeah, you were my talking. hair's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And you you're carrying yeah. a little hardware with yeah, you, too. Yeah, I do have a little hardware, but what? hair's for sure gone. So what's that like? What's that like? Walking up to the podium, grabbing that trophy, and, and having that moment in your life. Just take us in. We never get to experience it. Yeah. Um, I never I, – I don't get nervous for games, during games, two-minute. None, none of that really ever gets me going. But um, I wasn't nervous the whole time. I practiced my speech a bunch of times. I felt like I, I had won. Um, and when they switched off oh, – I can't remember the dude's name. But when I went from the lady – the dude and he cracked a joke i was like i was i started to get a little nervous i was over it though i was over it like to say the name um and then he finally said the name and then all the nerves went out the window i said i'm go i felt like i was gonna go kill the speech um walked up there grabbed the hardware said my words and you know went on for the rest of the night with my old lineman Oh, yeah. see, that's the way to celebrate. Uh, yeah, right oh, yeah. We yeah. saw. We were in the hotel room the whole time, just celebrating. You're like talking what, to a former yeah, lineman yeah, right there, so he's, yeah, he's yeah. stoked about that. I like what Coach Riley said. He was asked, "Well, what does a returning Heisman quarterback work on?" And he said one word: everything. I was about. I was about to. I thought you were going to ask me. I was going to say everything. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> that's that's what what I've got it from the boss. I was going to say everything. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, it's, like every. I got. I got to make sure my, my footwork is detailed. Um, got to make sure, make sure I'm, I'm progressing within the mental game. I got to make sure that um, I'm out there leading um, better than I was last year. Um, if I got to be hard on the guys, I got to be hard. If I have to be empathetic about the moment and understand the situation, I got to be better at that. Um, um, you know, I got to I got to be better at, at at being a better brother and human. Um, and um, and it's just just all of the things that add up to the end of the season. Um, so that you can go, you know, one and zero each week, and if you yeah. go one and zero fifteen times, there you go. You, you get the, there. You have the thing that you want. So, um, you know, just focusing on being better and progressing. Um, and I always say it's the hardest thing to do is, is beat yourself and, and and do something twice. And so, um, I, I tend to to like the hard to do the hard things and like like to you know compete against the hard things and be in the tough games or being being those moments. And so, um, you know, we'll see how it goes this year, but. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Does the Utah game have a little more juice this year because of what happened last year? 
The game itself? Yeah. No. Do I have a chip on my shoulder? Sure. More juice? Yeah. This whole year? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Simple. Why not admit it if it's yeah. true? Yeah. I mean, if that's the if that's a feeling and that's something that drives you, because you know you watch that uh, Pac-12 championship game and. Uh, that defense, they, they got after you a bit. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were some hits. Yeah. What, what was that like being in the pocket in that Pac-12 championship game and, and feeling the pressure? It was cool. I uh, Cool, calm, and collected. Got up faster than the dude that hit me did. Um, it's always my thing. Um, if someone's going to hit me, get up faster than them. Um, proves that the hit meant nothing, didn't do anything to me. Um, and so um, even, with the, even with a bum leg, um, you know, I was all good. Got up fast in them and uh, kept trying to play the game and go win. How hard was that decision? Because I got to imagine there was conversations between you and coach saying. No, there was no, there was no conversations. None. No. You just knew you were going to go. Yep. Yeah, there was no, not at all. Um, told them that I'm not coming out, we're going to go win this game. And didn't go in our favor. Things happened and, um, you know, things went downhill towards the end of the game. But, no, there was no conversation. There was no no rebuttal, no anything of, of, of me coming out the game. I was good. I mean, my, I had, I think, my highest completion percentage of, of the year that game. Um, if you look at it, I think a one of. Um, and so, you know, all good. You're co- <laughs> and it just it kind of devolves from there. You can go back and listen to the entire conversation. But you could tell he is he, that is stuck in his mind. He he wants nothing more than I think to stick it to Utah. They obviously Utah will go to the Coliseum this year to play that game in October. But man, he, Caleb Williams, he's got an edge to him. I I and I can appreciate that as a competitor. But ants, <laughs> I don't feel beginning. To hit. I got to faster them. Did you though? Let's go back and watch the film. Anyways, just it made me chuckle. I wanted to get some of those comments in. Obviously, he's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. You're talking about the fact that he doesn't get uh, nervous in games. He got nervous when that whole thing was going down. But uh, congratulations to him on having the hardware and obviously leading kind of the the charge here as, uh, as the Pac-12 uh, tries to have a resurgent year just overall as a co- conference. And he wants nothing more, it feels like, than to lead uh, USC to some glory here in the final year of the Pac-12. And also hopefully uh, make the playoff as they uh, after that he likely goes to the NFL's presumptive number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft while the USC Trojans join the Big Ten Conference all right uh, coming up here in just a moment we will round out today's show some final thoughts on the program this is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM the KSL Sports Zone Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Jay Catch here running things solo today, but Sarah Hosayan, who obviously produces Jake and Ben, does a fine job with that, is sitting behind the glass. And uh, Sarah, I, I, we see a lot of crazy stories in sports. Uh, did you see the story about Florida A&M University this morning? I know you're a Florida native, but did you see what happened to FAMU? No, I did not. <laughs> okay, so I, I just saw this. I was just reading this. So Adam Rittenberg wrote this from ESPN. Florida A&M has suspended all football-related activities following the release of, of an unauthorized rap video, which was filmed in the team locker room that ex- uh, contained explicit lyrics. 
Coach Willie Simmons announced the decision Friday night, hours after the release of, quote, Send a Blitz from rapper Real Boston Richie. I don't know who Real Boston Richie is. Uh, but Simmons said in the statement that while he supports free speech and musical expression, the language in the video is, quote, not consistent with Florida A&M's core values, principles, and beliefs. Uh, I said that Florida A&M has in- started an investigation into how the football locker room was accessed for the filming of the videos. Well, here's the thing. I'm sure your players were like, hey, yeah, let's do this thing. Come on over. And, anyways, and the use of licensed Florida A&M apparel that violates agreements. So Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I, you, they probably would have been fine if they would, didn't do it on School property yeah, wearing you, sure. affiliated logos. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it says the video, which was posted to YouTube, shows Richie in the locker room area wearing a Florida AM shirt and wearing team helmets. Several Florida AM players appear in the background of the video. Okay, investigation of how the locker room was accessed. Hmm. Hey, uh, Mr. Richie, do you want to come on in? And Yeah. <laughs> Bad They deal. have codes and cards. I'm sure most of them do. So Yeah, I guess Real Boston Richie's real name is Jalen Foster. He's from Tallahassee, Florida, where Florida AM's campus is located. Uh he performed before the Rattlers homecoming game last season. So Tallahassee, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Shade. Shade from the Tampa native being cast toward Tallahassee. Well explain more about your thoughts on Tallahassee. It's just where FSU is. Yeah, it was from Florida State. Come on now. And I'm not saying the characters that come out of <laughs> Tallahassee are the worst, but they're not certainly the best. Well, okay. No offense to James Winston, but when you go to a Publix and still crab legs, the headlines kind of write themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway. He's also done another plethora of things that are questionable that well, I don't support. But um, Sure. Yeah, so that's why. Did you grow up a Florida Gators fan? Like, what were you? I did. Okay. I did, yeah. Florida Gators. Gators was my team. Okay. We did watch it a little bit of BYU as well because my parents both went to Rick's College, now okay. BYU Idaho, and uh, oh, Vikings. But, yeah, old, old Rick's Vikings. Yeah. My my dad's salty. He has a hard time donating money to the school because they got rid of their athletics program, I can and he's like, that. I didn't go to BYU Idaho. I went to Rick's. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, as he should, because he played football. So okay, yeah, he was a. By the way, I had the privilege of meeting your dad earlier this yes, week. Yes, great. Yeah. Is he, 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 is he back home now? Yeah, okay. he's back home now. Cool. Yeah, he was just here for a week, but. Well, still, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, by the way, so Florida, so Simmons, they said that the team has had the open season September 30 against Jackson State. Uh, I wonder how long this is going to last in terms of the suspension because you're supposed to start training camp in just over a week's time. Make those boys run. Uh, something, but yeah, just you don't expect stories like that to pop up. But hey, that's. I mean, it's Florida, so if it's going to happen anywhere, it's probably going to happen Good in point. Florida. Florida man, the, the legendary, legendary stuff. Like when when weird things happen in the world, usually check to see. Okay, did it happen in Florida? Usually, kind of- yes, and uh, here's the thing: weird things happen everywhere. It's just after Florida man. <laughs> People only focus on the weird things that happen in Florida. Okay, when you here's the thing: the Florida man stuff. They continue to like one up themselves. That's the thing about this. That's the only thing about it. At some point, you think it would die out. No, it just continues to to deliver time and time again. You just have to be careful with what's fake and what's real out there. But yes, that is, that's a very that might be the best point made on today's show overall of the entirety of the show. Very very well done by you. All right, that'll do it for us.
All right. I hope you guys have a fantastic Saturday. Uh, reminder for you guys that we have RSL action coming up tonight. 6.30 pregame. RSL taking on the Seattle Sounders in the inaugural Leagues Cup at America First Field. Also, Salt Lake Bees action as well. will be on 12.80 the zone. If you want to tune into them, taking on the Las Vegas Aviators over at Smith's Ballpark. Fireworks game tonight, by the way. If you're looking to go out to the game and enjoy some fireworks, you can do that as well. So until next week, uh, make sure you keep it locked here on the zone throughout the week for all the coverage you can uh, muster. And until next Saturday, we will talk to you guys again. And then this has been the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.